One, two, three. Ooh, sorry. One, two, three. There you go. So last week, or last, we've been kind of uh, absent on the podcast game, even though we have one recorded. Teresa and I, our wonderful producer, got into a car accident, and you came to our rescue, sort of. Uh, you did come to our rescue. Well, it was your chauffeur rescue, like an Uber. Like an Uber at a party you don't want to be at. Right, Comes right. to your rescue. And so we had a car accident, so we've been dealing with getting our insurance and everything taken care of, so we've had a, a backup of the episode. But some things are going to be a little bit outdated on that episode. We appreciate you staying with us in our time of distress. But we're back with it, and we're going to record a new episode for you coming soon. Yep. Episode, season season one, episode three, coming soon. This is episode four. We're about to record episode um, four. So progress over perfection. Right. Stay tuned. Got anything to say, Teresa? My mic's out of... Oh, it is on. <laughs> Hi, my name's Andrew Alden, and this is Obscure Broadcasting Company's podcast, Small Brains, Big Picks. I'm Andrew Alden, a mediocre joking tennis player mm, uh, yeah my name's evan as always um and i had a day off from school today for power outage reasons which is why i'm here on a monday it's beautiful well yeah don't don't look in your trunk you have uh, bolt cutters <laughs> yeah um so we're gonna get right into it um we're gonna start off as we have the last couple episodes with our starting nine um for kind of Novelty's sake, why don't you start? I believe I've started on the, all the other ones. All right, so here we go, starting nine. Uh, Jacob deGrom is eight and nine with a sub two ERA, ERA and a front runner for the Cy Young in the National League. Do wins matter anymore? I, I want to say that they do. I think when you look at how good of a pitcher you are, that they you can't consider it for Cy Young. The dude is. And again, this is a special case, so I don't want to say that never, that if a guy wins 25, that that shouldn't be considered just as much as other things, but dude's crazy right now. He should win the Cy Young, like Felix Hernandez did. Though there's only been one other losing pitcher in the history of baseball to win the Cy Young with a, losing re- with a losing record, and that was, uh, I believe, Eric Gagne. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, he deserves it, regardless. Right, so he'd be the first starter in the history of baseball if the season ended today to end the season with a losing record. And that season that you're talking about with Felix Sands was a 13-win season. Lay one on me. The Nike Just Do It campaign, which we've we've mentioned, uh, brought out some of our our country's greatest tiki torch wielding uh, white supremacists to bust those babies back out and burn some Nikes. Big boycotting campaign, and yet on Friday Nike announced that their stocks closed at an all-time high. Are we surprised? They know they're selling shoes. They know what they're doing. I guess that's my question. Are we yeah. surprised? No, we're not surprised. Okay. I mean, I love the videos of people lighting the shoes on their feet on fire. I think <laughs> those are hilarious. It, our best and brightest boycotting Nike. Right, right. Okay, uh, Jason Tatum worked out with Kobe and Penny Hardaway this summer. Does that mean anything? Uh, he also his his dad said, who probably knows nothing about basketball more than any other dad, said that you need to watch out for him. 
I think it means something because Kobe's incredible. Regardless, Jason Tatum was a star in the making. So I already had high hopes. They're not any higher because of that, but they're high. Okay, lay one on me. Um, all right, so uh, New York City legend, two-time NBA All-Star, the maker of the famous $15 Starburys, which I had more than one pair of, Stefan Marbury said this past weekend that Zion Williamson, who has not yet played a college basketball game and is 18 years old, is already considerably better than LeBron James. Uh, maybe stick to selling sneakers. Oh, wait, that failed too. Side note, Stefan Marbury is at least 150 years old. According to my uh, calculations, I haven't checked and he is still playing in the Chinese league. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's like, there's an age minimum in the Chinese league, you know. <laughs> age minimum. You can only enter at 37. <laughs> right. Some people try to f- falsify their birth certificates, come in when they're 36 and a half. On some, uh, what's his name, Little League dude? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The 17-year-old, 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The 35-year-old, 12-year-old. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so... On Thursday of this week, Agent Orange, Donald Trump, will text all of America using a uh, FEMA testing, a testing of like FEMA's force text to every American. What do you think he's going to text? Man, you know, honestly, uh, I, I'm sure that he's going to text something at 2 a.m. first of all. And I ASL. just hope. <laughs> right, right. And I just hope that he, that his. Uh, phone thing shows that my read receipts are on because i've wanted to leave that man on red for so long and i'll do it i don't care i don't care i'll leave him on so you're saying you won't text back i'm leaving him on red i'm opening up immediately i'm not texting back. i'll even type a little bit delete type and delete type and delete nice drives him crazy yeah yeah (laughs) all right um the washington racial slurs uh professional football team they uh this isn't necessarily breaking news but they still exist, and they haven't changed their mascot. I think that uh, it's it's shameful how long it's taken them, but are we really surprised? There's a reason why the NFL is on the we don't talk about them all. Right, and you um, just alluded to it, um, but our father, who grew up in D.C., as you well know, um, was a big Washington professional football was fan. Was a big fan, and now suggests, or his friend suggested first, that it's very obvious they just need to change their mascot to a potato, and they can still be the Redskins. And then um, they're just the red skin potatoes. Right. So easy yeah. fix. Uh, why anyone is even worried about this, I don't understand. I know. I don't I don't understand. Also, why is it taking the Indians so long to get rid of Chief Wahoo? They're phasing him out. And why uh, it's also shouldn't be as it should be as big of a thing as the Redskins. I feel like it's it's not talked about as much. That may be something we talk about next next right, episode. Right, right. Ooh, that was a good illusion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, well, okay, so my last one here is Justin Bieber got married in a small ceremony over the weekend. How long do you think it will last? Um, Her name's Haley Baldwin. Yeah, she's Alec Baldwin's daughter. No, she's Stephen Baldwin's daughter. Is she? Yeah. Oh, okay. Discount bin, not Baldwin. Okay, okay. Discount Baldwin. I went to that liquor store time after time in Vermont growing up. Um, I imagine I, I'm a believer in true love. I think it lasts until until the day he dies. Yep. I, I don't. I don't have a real opinion on it. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I you hope don't, you, you don't really care. Um, uh, this is a perfect one to close it out on. Again, not no, uh, not to forget Teresa's. Oh, and then we've got Teresa. Thank you. I'm sorry, lovely producer. Um, the, the 
as you know, not breaking news by any means yet again, but the Boston Red Sox have now reached 103 wins with 12 games to go. How many do you think that they get to? I'm looking at 109. 109, 9 out of 12? 9 out of 12. Okay. I think I think they're hot right now. I think the Mets were a bigger test than people are going to give them credit for. The Yankees are slumping big time, and they got six of those games. Also, fun fact, the Yankees are going to play four against the Rays. At, at near, between okay, and the Rays are playing better the, than anyone. The, Red, the Rays may be playing it's the best baseball. It's 11 and a half right now, that gap. Yeah, so, yeah, look out, look out. Rays could fuck make, the Yankees. Ra- fuck the Yankees, amen. Teresa? All right, now for my non-sports-related one. Uh, engineers say that to solve flying cars' biggest problem, they need to tie them to power lines. What do you think about that? Huh. I I mean, if there's a real si- that sounds in my head like science. That's good science to you, right? But uh, so, got, yeah, science. Like what do you lines think? driving all over the place yeah. in the air. Yeah, the Q just flip the Q line. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Just reverse the polarity on the Q line and whoop. Yep. Who knew that Detroit with the Q line was on the cutting edge, just like Donald Trump with the Space Force? It's, yeah. We got to get ahead of it. Would man. there be air cops? There would have to be air cops. There would have to be air cops. And would they be a subdivision of the Space Force? Okay. Well. Also, wait a second. Are you going to be able to move high? Like, what happens if you're like driving a cement mixer flying truck? I feel like it's a recipe for disaster. Right. Yeah. We we got to do some work on a cement mixer field. I think that's a. We'll bring in an expert next yeah, time. Yeah. Next time. Tune in next time. <laughs> we'll bring in a cement mixing expert here on Small Brains Big Picks. Yeah, cement mixer, cool chain. <laughs> and his friend Ian. Oh, I okay, digress. All right. We digress together. Okay, so uh, what is our main topic today? What are we talking about? Yeah, our main topic. Um, or for our lead story. Our lead story, if, if you, you will. will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a very straightforward topic, but we were just discussing. All the the awards, be it the MLB's Cy Young, the obvious ML, uh, all sports have the MVP, etc. Six Man Award. Um, if we were to rename them, give them like a a player's name that really exemplifies them to us, wh- who are those players? And to uh, to constrict it, we're going just within our lifetimes or what we remember, right? Basically, yeah, we we're, we're, we're primarily taking consideration the late '90s, but basically the 21st century, mm-hmm. and the players that have to us exemplified. Uh, you know, the Cy Young Award was named after Cy Young, who yeah. is an actual pitcher. So yeah. we're saying, who is the Cy Young if you start baseball at year 2000? Right. For whatever our reasons may be. As always, we don't follow other people's criteria. We do what we want. And we have... Now I not, do what I want. Not to, not to do undersell, but we have small brains. See, 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 see. Okay, so let's do baseball first. Okay, starting fresh out the gate, controversial opinion. MVP is the Barry Bonds Award. Cy Young is the Pedro Martinez Award. Manager, I initially wrote Terry Francona, but I switched that and said Joe Madden is the okay. is okay. the manager of the year. Interesting. Silver Slugger, David Ortiz, Gold Glove, Omar Vizquel, and by far the hardest one, which was kind of a basketball crossover, pun intended, yeah. um, and that was the sixth man or the tenth man for baseball, and I said John Olrud. That's excellent. That's really good. Um, wow, that's uh, upsetting how close we were together. Um, can I hear real quickly why what what made you switch Terry out? Um, Joe Madden did it for the Cubs. Uh, he also made a lot of winning teams out of nothing with the uh, with the Rays, the Tampa Bay. Yeah, Devil they're Rays very different they're managers. Very very different managers. I think that Tito maybe. 
played in more World Series. He has played in more World Series, and he has won more World Series. But it also could have gone to Joe Torre, which would have been super fair, or even Bruce Bochy yeah. would have been another really fair one. But I feel like yeah. Joe Madden exemplifies a new idiom of managing, using players in really creative ways, using pitchers mm-hmm. as pinch runners and in the outfield even on occasion. I mean, the, the ridiculous push of stat-driven baseball that is just so over the top now and of weird experimentation, experimentation, be it with shifts or whatever, really, in a way, was started by him. I mean, it was started by other guys before him. But um, in the modern last 12 years, he was like kind of an embodiment of that, I feel like. Right, and he had to play the, the Yankees and the Red Sox for years and years mm-hmm. and years and found ways to win. I mean, against with teams talentless with, Rays teams with talent, like yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a quote somewhere out there that the Rays are going to finish like five games over five hundred, right. whether they go with the guys they draft or just give the bat to guys on the street that they 100%. scout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here yours. So crazy. These are we clearly grew up in the same household around the same time frame. Um, for my MVP, I wrote Barry Bonds. I crossed it out. I put David Ortiz. Um, for my Cy Young, it went to Pedro Martinez. Um, Terry Francona was my manager of the year. Um, Barry Bonds got my silver slugger when I switched him out of MVP. So ours, David and Poppy and uh, Barry Bonds just switched. Um, and I think that sp- silver slugger award would, of course, be brought to you by Minute Maid. Um, yep. Juice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I gave Omar Vizquel my gold glove. I re- initially Did had you think thought, of- I thought about Tory Hunter. I thought about uh, I thought about Ichiro. Um, Do you think all, at all about Roberto Alomar? Because that was my second choice. Yeah, I mean, he's playing the same infield, which is insane that he had also would have been a good choice. Um, I thought about going more modern and thinking like a Jackie Bradley, um, but they just don't have enough chutzpah behind their name yet for me. No. Um, and my last one, I went with a clear home, home favorite, ne- not necessarily, um, you know, fair if you're not a Red Sox fan, but my 10th man went to none other than Dave Roberts. Oh, the man. Dave Roberts yeah. steal second base 10th man award. Yeah. <laughs> For one play, the 10th For man. For one play, oh, yeah. he has an award named after him. That's I, 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 I want to open something up. Yeah. You, I, you chose David Ortiz as your MVP, though he never won one in his career, I think. Which is bullshit. Which is bullshit, but... I mean, and there's, there is a real argument for it. he didn't play in the field, right? Um, right, right. So that's that's fair, a hundred percent. But the just the the impact that he had on and off the field. I was trying to think of players that didn't just step on the field and do their thing, but mm-hmm. had like a mm-hmm. an emotional impact on their team as well. And that was crazy real for a decade for Poppy. Sure, sure, yeah. And the, he changed the face of the Red Sox organization for sure. Hundred percent. If you had to pick a Rookie of the Year, someone that embodies the Rookie of the Year, name the Rookie of the Year award after it, go. I think that's obvious it's Ichiro. Ichiro 100 times out Disagree. of 100. Okay, let me know. I, I think it's Mike Trout. Somebody that personifies young, exciting baseball. Okay. And, and a, looser, a looser take on that, like not necessarily that he was a rookie, but that he always personifies the youth of the game kind of. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Yeah, but uh, Ichiro is an obvious kind of like the obvious like stat pick. You know, what I mean, right, like right, he, right. Okay, so do we? So we agreed. On, who do we want to vote on our final? Pick? Yeah, so I mean, I I think I agree. I'll agree to switch Poppy and Ortiz with you. Or okay, Poppy and uh, Bonds with you. Okay. So Bonds is our MVP. We agreed upon. We made this too easy by agreeing on everything. Pedro. Um, okay. I'll I'll concede to Terry Francona that okay. he's won more World Series. Right. And he's played right. in more World Series. Yeah. Um. Though Joe Madden. It, 
AJ Hinch could be an interesting Big, one in like three, four in years. The, in the future, yeah, without a doubt. Um, uh, Silver so Slugger. Francono, we, Silver Slugger, we agreed on Ortiz. Um, okay, Gold Glove, we agreed on Omar Vizquel. And then uh, Olerud's a really phenomenal pick. Because I don't think he had a full like season of bats. Maybe he had like six, five seasons and a like 15-year career of full seasons of yeah. bats. And, was, and he's always on good teams. And was always like a phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm guessing he had a pretty high on base percentage for his career. Oh, he had to. Oh, really high. Um, yeah. And he always had a helmet on, which is just like a ridiculous <laughs> which is, move. Yeah, yeah. It's a vamp move. bonkers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, weak skull and all. <laughs> okay, so let's skip over to basketball. Evan, lay it down for me. Yeah. Um, all right, so let me first say to all my LeBron fans of like LeBron is everything. I don't – all these people out here, which is, this is like a new thing, I think, of – I wonder if this existed. I guess most players who are changing their entire sport stayed on one team, but all these there's all these people who I don't have a team. I root for the team LeBron's on. It's insane, and I openly say that it bothers me so much. Um, so I say all that to say, all you LeBron fans, cool. He's great. I will concede that he's the greatest player in the world. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna give him my MVP. But not because of his skill. He is the most valuable basketball player in the league. I want to give him my MVP because I think that he has been the most valuable person to changing the sport in terms of what we talked about in our first episode of making activism cool, if you will, making activism popular as an athlete, making it almost a demand. Right, right. Um, it is a game changer. And I think for that reason, he's my MVP. Uh, defensive player of the year. This one's got a special place in my heart. Dude was six foot seven, six foot eight when he stretched and ate his Wheaties in the born in the morning. Um, was just in an insane workhorse and beast. Give got to give it to Ben Wallace, possibly my favorite player of all time. Really, in basketball. really, I possibly didn't know that. just like because I pride myself on having no skill and a lot of effort on a basketball court, and he he did that. That's to me a in life. Super yeah. level. Um, my coach of the year has got to be Popovich. I, as a basketball coach and baseball coach now for high school kids, I study Popovich and the stuff he does off the court with his young men just as right. much as on the court, um, big time. He's kind of a coaching idol for me. Um, the the pure shooter award, which we picked for the best shooter mm-hmm. in the league. Stephen Curry is the obvious pick. I'm giving mine to Gilbert Arenas. Not only did Gilbert Arenas shoot from deep before Stephen Curry did, he also not only was shooting from deep, but also was bringing guns into locker rooms. So he's, it's kind of a double entendre. Yeah, he was a yeah, shooter nice, in many nice, senses. Nice. Um, my, so, mine was Martin Lawrence for that reason. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I think that one had to go to Gilbert. Um, yeah. Dunking, when I think of an insane dunk, no matter how old I get, I think the image that will always go straight to my mind is Vince Carter, Vince Sanity, jumping over dudes in the Olympics, doing crazy slam dunk in uh dunk contests it's got to be vince and sixth man when i same thing when i think of sixth man i think of that smooth jamal crawford crossover uh i think it's jamal crawford every single time um that's my guy okay all right all right here we go a lot of a lot of crossover i'm not going to justify my pick i'm just going to say it cool. lebron james mvp what was your second what, ben wallace for defensive player d- defensive player i have gary payton okay that's very fair yeah Okay, and then one, how, the I'm just going to go in the same order you had it. Coach of the year. Coach of the year, I had Popovich. I think like he transcends the sport, which is really something special. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next. Uh, pure shooter, pure shooter. I had Steph Curry, you mm-hmm. know, pretty. Very fair. Very fair. Um, um, 
No, then we got the Diamond Dunker, as we called it. I, I had Dwight Howard initially, but then I was thinking about it, that Vince Carter actually comes to mind more often about, mm-hmm. like, ridiculous dunks. Okay. That's, that's Superman little period. Nate Robinson would have been an interesting one. Yeah, that would have yeah. Uh, when Dwight Howard was doing his Superman thing, Nate Robinson was doing the same thing at five foot nothing, damn yeah. near. Um, and your sixth man? Walter McCarty. Walter. Yeah. Walter, insert insert the clip of Tom Gorman screaming. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that that that's a little bit of a hometown thing for sure. But he also got his he, did he get his number retired? No. I don't think so. But he was in He Got Game. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Which means yeah, Jesus Shuttleworth, sixth man. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll, we'll Jesus take the wheel, sixth man. Okay. okay. So let's let's lay it down here. We gotta wrap this up. Uh, MVP, LeBron James. LeBron, Popovich, Popovich coach we agreed upon. Um, Diamond Dunker we agreed upon. We agreed upon Vinsanity. Um, I, I'm gonna go with Walta with you. I, okay. I, just, I, can, right, I can't turn right, down okay. a good Walta. Yeah, the good Walta. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Pure shooter. I'll uh, I'll concede. There's there's two. It's a double meaning. So you yeah, have you, to give me that. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, Small. And rings. then we got defensive player of the year. You had picked the glove. I mean, you gotta love the glove. Um, that though, was tough. Though Ben Wallace was big in our house, so I'll concede this one to go with Ben Wallace. And we need a hometown Detroit. Favorite, yeah, we gotta you know? keep D- Detroit. In keep it. the D happy, man. Miguel Cabrera would have been an interesting one for Silver Slugger. Just gonna throw that up. Okay, well that wraps up our first topic. Moving on to our tool belt. So, yeah. would you please, for the love of God and your own body, hold the hammering? In our first episode ever, we retired. A topic from Conversation Forever, which we will ne- we will soon name the Wall of Shame, yes. and that of course was the NFL. Yeah, the No Fun League. The No Fun League. We're, yep. we're never talking about again, and there we go. And we continue to to mention, but remember, we're not talking about touchdowns. Are we and talking about re- it? Receptions? No, we're fucking not. Hell no. Oh hell no. So, but today we are going to retire some special people. Um, here, I'll pass yours over to you, Evan. Oh, thank you so much. This is an honor. Are these yours? Yep. Okay, Evan, into the camera there. You can can okay. make your case for your first person. Yeah, so um, this this first one holds a special place in my heart. We just spoke about um, his, his front court mate for the Detroit Pistons. I'm talking about 2004, 2005, 2003 even, um, when the man Sheed was doing his thing in the D. This is before I had any connection to Detroit, and this was the only year in basketball history in my life that I rooted for any team but the Boston Celtics. Um, I loved that team. I loved the tenacity they played with. And Rasheed Wallace was the heartbeat of that team. For that reason, as a 9 or 10-year-old, well, we got a new cat in my family. And my parents asked me what to name this female cat. And we all named we, the cat. Don't be an asshole. They asked us what to name <laughs> as you the were, female As you cat. were. As you yeah, were. I'm sorry. And we all know what that name is. We have Miss Sheed Wallace Sawyer. She still lives today, bless her soul. And Mr. Rasheed Wallace, welcome to the rafters. You have been elected to the September Hall of Fame. And, uh, yes, applause. Applause, applause. Okay, picking back off of that, my first pick for this for Hall of Fame September class is, in fact, Sheed the Cat. <laughs> the cat needs no explanation. <laughs> Excellent. 
So they could bound forever at immortality on the walls of our rafters. Yep. She the cat. Couldn't have been a better pick. Needs no explanation. Needs, no, needs no explanation. <laughs> she needs no introduction. She who needs no introduction. Yeah. I got a need. A need <laughs> a she. I'm going to double up here and I'll go with my next one and then we'll kick it over to okay. Teresa before your last one. I'm going to go with an actual pick from Vladimir Guerrero. Easily the most exciting player we ever watched growing up, being going to lots of Montreal Expos games. I'm disappointed he didn't go into the Hall of Fame with an Expos cap on, but he is truly an Expos legend. He was a, I mean, they had pretty good teams. I mean, I mean, they by record they had terrible teams, but they had a lot of good players. Right. Go through there: Larry Walker, Pedro Martinez, Marquise Grissom, Delano Shields, but none. Tim Raines. Maybe Tim Raines is the only person who gives Vladdy a run for his money, but in my opinion, Vladimir Guerrero is one of the greatest players of all time, one of my favorite to watch. And Just electrifying. There you go. Just electrifying. No, no batting gloves, swing of balls bouncing in the dirt, yeah. try to throw people out at first from right field. Just insanity. Um, Teresa, what you got for us? All right. So mine is Jared Salty, Salty La Machina, who is the catcher for the Red Sox. Um, I forgot what years, but few of them, few of them, few for, of them. For, for a handful. Yeah. But I love him, and he is my, what you, like my, what are we calling this? He's your Hall of Famer. He's my Hall of Famer because yeah. that thing he does with his leg when he was a catcher <laughs> made me a baseball fan. <laughs> you show that to the camera? If you don't know, you don't need to know. You're, yeah, you don't need to know. <laughs> you want to show that to a camera? It's, it's making that sound dirty, Teresa. There it is. <laughs> There's Jared Saldalamachia. Oh, look at that lettuce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I think it's only fitting that the, our last one um, be uh, a big reason that we do this podcast is because we are lifelong baseball fans. It's something that me and Andrew share in common on a really profound level. And my inspiration as a baseball fan, unlike or like many people my age, but everything for me in baseball comes back to the kid, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, he inspired me in so many ways to be diving on, in, the, in the grass outside until you couldn't even see anymore, until it was too dark to even catch the white of the ball. Um, he inspired me to throw the, the hat on backwards, playing wiffle ball in the backyard, have that big lefty swing that I tried to Im- imitate my whole life. Um, the kid, first in our hearts, um, fourth, fifth on our Hall of Fame. Welcome to the Hall of Fame, Mr. Griffey. There you go. Fun fact, that is also why I was a lefty swinger. Oh, yeah? Yeah. See, it, it, it permeates Transcends everything. Transcends gender. It permeates everything. <laughs> Transcends gender, region, everything. Yes, Ken Griffey Jr. is the hermaphrodite. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was his nickname often. <laughs> Ken the hermaphrodite. My, oh, my, the hermaphrodite slugger does it again. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on to our secondary topic, um, Evan, you want to introduce this one? Yeah, yeah. So with our with our second topic, um, you know, the fact that we do this podcast kind of gives away to an extent what our our basic stance is on this. But we're talking about diehard fanaticism in sports, um, and like how far can that go before it gets ridiculous? And like, what is you know being diehard where you you blood give blood, sweat, and tears for a team? When you're a grown adult who's going to a cubicle to do work or going to uh, a classroom to teach or going to uh, a, a set to film and yet spilling tears over a game, like how, how far can that go? Where, when is it too far? Is there a line? It's kind of something that we just wanted to talk about. Well, I, I, I feel that 
there's a fine line between being a fan and like uh, fanaticism, which is uh, a, a difficult line because you you okay. So there's there's definitely two ways to dissect this, and to, and I'll let you choose like the path we go on. But mm-hmm. there's definitely like oh, I love the Red Sox. I worship the Red Sox. I think they're fantastic. Um, my I feel sad when they lose. I feel depressed. I worry about them. But then there's also like people who care about their children's sports with mm-hmm. the same kind of fanaticism. But because they're they're literal blood relatives, they will go out into the parking lot and punch the ref in the face or like threaten to right. kill them. And I think that there's some parents out there, especially with what we don't talk about is like football. I think there's lots of football parents out there that could can be that go mm-hmm. way over the line or hockey parents that you hear about like yeah, really yeah. going over the line over their kids playing a sport and it's supposed to be a game i think that that is the super dangerous side of when it goes too far right and uh, i've been lucky in just the two years i coached to have pretty pretty great p- supportive parents but even with the great parents i have there's so much passion that uh dad always thinks the kids should be starting and sometimes even with uh, the great parents I've had, there's some words exchanged after a game of coach, like my, my son needs to be in more, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I almost understand that emotion more, but it, for that reason, it can get pushed to the gross extent where any type of... Here's, so, But I think that does bring home the, the point that I think is the line in the sand is anytime that you're affecting lives in terms of like there's actual violence happening or there's actual important things outside of a game in life that are being affected by what at the end of the day is a kid's game um, whether it's being played by kids or being paid millions of dollars um, that's the line that is not worth crossing um, but you mentioned it I mean when the Red Sox lose there is a genuine sadness that I feel like it's not faked it's not it doesn't have to be social. I can be alone in my apartment. And when the Red Sox are eliminated, knock on wood, from the playoffs, uh, the years that they are, yeah. it is like a really hard day for me for a couple hours. And I have to like pull myself together and be like, I'm a grown-ass man. I cannot be sad about this bullshit. This is a sport. Right. Um, same thing with the Celtics. Like it genuinely, like you feel it. Feel some type of way, man. Yeah. I think that that's fair. I think it's a fair emotion to have, right? That to feel like sadness about a sports team right because you do feel connection to it i would draw a parallel here is that when the red Sox were eliminated in 22 years ago 2017 because it was poppy's last year and i felt like there that's got it's written it's like you know here here we go i was sad for like a day or like an evening or like a few hours but i woke up in the next day and the sun was up and it's like okay i'm gonna go on my day when donald trump won the election I was fucked up for like a week. You know right, what I mean? So right. I think that, that there is a line there that like mm-hmm. certain things matter more to you than like the, the welfare of our country means more to me than sports. Right. And I mean, for me, it also is like, I'll be pissed off and like irritated. But when something real comes up, if I, if I get a call from a, like a student that has something real happening and I'm moping about the Red Sox, like, I'm going to turn off my, my moping voice real quick and like not be worried about that anymore. Cause like when real life intrudes into sports, like I think that that dynamic should be pretty obvious of what supersedes what. Um, and so it is definitely, I think 
And that comes from both of us considering ourselves. Both of us would say we are diehard Red Sox fans, and sure. I would say I am a diehard Celtics fan. Sure. Um, like that, I truly follow them and care about them a lot. But that should be a pretty easy parallel in my eyes. Um, I, th- yeah. I, I I think that um, it does come from like this is one of those things that comes and I'm going to let you have the last word right after this. It comes from the top. It comes from this top down thing that, um, you know, our dad is super fan- fanatical about sports that they mean a lot to him. The Celtics mean a lot to him. Uh, the, the Red Sox obviously mean a lot to him. Mm-hmm. And I think even the Expos, I mean, they mean something to me and they mean something to you in a different kind of way because they don't exist anymore. But I, before I give it over to you, um, I think that there are we're lucky that we had like a role model that kind of represented like a pretty fair level of fanaticism that like mm-hmm. he wasn't like breaking throwing things at the TV or being like superstitious having to like you know you've ever seen Silver Lines playbook where the dad is like right. stacking the napkins in a certain order yeah. for the Eagles I think that there's a, sl- a side that leads to uh, unhealthy fanaticism and, and bigger than that um, the you know our dad we mentioned it earlier in the podcast grew up in Washington D.C. Grew up watching the Redskins, grew up loving the Redskins. But he had that inner conversation with himself one day where he said, this is bullshit. I'm not going to support a team. I don't care how long I've cared about them. I'm not going to support a team that embraces like what is a racial slur as their nickname and refuses to change it for tradition, which in my mind, the word tradition is a synonym for like or is a, is a bad excuse for continuing to do shitty things that you used to do nine times out of ten. Sure, um, sure. And I think those Redskins fans who have not left them because that's not worth enough to them right. is a, really exemplifies um, the line that we're talking about. And I think it's a bigger, it's a, it's a microcosm of a bigger issue of, the, of prioritizing ideals um, where when you can love sports as much as you love sports, but when that is less than the lives of people in improving equity in society um, and issues like that, um, I think there's a real issue there. Agreed. And that's easier said than done. I, you hear things about, like there was a, I forget when it was, but maybe it was Tory Hunter said they had some racist things said to him uh, Andrew, at Fenway. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. And... That was kind of a conversation I didn't really want to have. I'm like, I don't want to like talk about people in Boston being racist. Like, I mean, but that's my team, man. Yeah, but yeah. like, it was hard for me to have that conversation. But that's my own inner conflict failing myself because like that should be an easy conversation of condemning that in a second and saying whoever the fuck that is. I don't give a fuck if they're a lifelong Red Sox fan and supporter. Like, none of that. Like, I'm not gonna pull any punches or back away from that. Um, yeah. And that's a conversation that I think a lot of people are not willing to to take that strike against. I think it's something that when when you and I take our stand against the NFL, um, it's that drawing that line in the sand of sports goes this far, people goes a little bit further, and you can't you can't separate the two. Fair enough. I couldn't have said it better myself, but we're out of time for now. Um, so Evan, what, do you, do you have any idea what we're talking about next time? Yeah, next time we were gonna uh, discuss. Um, the violence in sports, boxing, MMA, um, kind of there was a resurgence with UFC. But um, as you, the discussion around the NFL and violence grows, um, like what is the future of like really violent sports and all the ways that means 
in the United States of America right. and in the world. And our other topic, uh, well, so you're pick, a big proponent of this one. It was was picking up a conversation that uh, you know we were just basically starting to have, which is uh, the why why base, baseball is pretty honky. There's no one kneeling in baseball. I don't think anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that one catcher, backup catcher for the Athletics, uh, but I think that's no more. Uh, yeah, we are rec- talking about that level of like humanity and that level of of sports goes so far. And at one point, we had to reconcile that baseball is a pretty honky sport by by mm-hmm. some uh, some probably Republican type dudes with some backward ass thoughts. Mm-hmm. So um, we can we're, that's what we're gonna get into next time. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Evan, lay me lay on your bold prediction for me. Yeah, my bold boldest of bold predictions. I feel that in the 2019 and the 2019-2020 season, respectively. Neither the Montreal Expos nor the Seattle Supersonics will make a comeback tour, unfortunately. Oh, disappointing. Disappointing. Mm. Disappointing. You can hold me to that. One thing, <laughs> I will, you know I will. One thing I want to talk about sometime, we can open it up and, uh, you know, this is a great time for me to point out. If you have ideas, thoughts, comments, please like, hit us, share, hit subscribe, us, hit, hit us, us up. Um, is If baseball is to add two more teams, I talked a little bit about this with Dad, uh, what would that realignment look like? Mm, of the divisions but um here i'm going to lay my bold prediction on you and i've written it out this time uh kavanaugh gets confirmed because this is trump's america and sexual assault is mostly not okay but sometimes it's wait i'm not sure i guess it's not okay it's okay it's not okay double double standards in our government right right yeah so uh, in the, within the government, I think it's a pretty single standard that it is okay. Yeah, um, yeah. In the government, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Teresa, you got your your. In the White House, it's okay for mm. sexual assault because yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I got mine. Um, youngest brother Reed Sawyer is confirmed coming for Thanksgiving. His plane ticket has been purchased, and so my bold prediction is that a different brother will usurp Evan Sawyer as the mayhem creator at our annual Thanksgiving. Ooh. But which one will it be? Big Eric. shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to have our Thanksgiving episode. We have, we have all sorts of fun things planned for our Thanksgiving episode. Oh, it's going to be great. It um, could be the downfall. That could be the mayhem creator. That could be the mayhem creator. And that's a, and that's a big benchmark that we will have made it that far when we get there. So crashing and burning there would be almost a good, you know. Poetic. It would be almost poetic, yeah. So, well, yeah, let's get out of here, man. Yeah, so thanks so much for watching. Uh, if you like what you're seeing, please like, subscribe to us on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, smash that like button, like the smash button. And um, as always, we're still getting up on, going on, we're on Stitcher now. Uh, so give us a follow there. Yeah, and most importantly for me, uh, for both of us, but in my opinion, like shoot us ideas. If you, you know, shoot me a message on Instagram, if you're friends of ours or whatever, just like let us know ideas you have because uh, we want to improve this and we want to have cool stuff to talk about continually. Right, and we could definitely have a mail sack episode of Small Brain. Right, right. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, for Obscure Broadcasting's podcast, Small Brain's Big Picks, I'm Andrew Alden. And I'm Evan Mills Bamos. Okay, bye. <laughs>